Good morning and welcome to Lopes on Movies. My name is Joey Lopes, and today I am joined by the one, the only, Connor Lopes. Good morning. And the one, the only, Mark Barbera. Hello. You're both the one, the only today. Um, it's I true. don't really have anything. Like, I didn't. I couldn't come up with another like title to give Mark, so I just kind of went with uh, the same thing twice. I hope that that didn't come off I'm, weird. I'm okay with it. Or, uh, I'm the only Mark. I feel pretty confident that show. there's more than one of both of us somewhere. You mean with the same name? You're saying? Yeah. 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 I know there's other Joey Lopes's. Like I've definitely looked that up before out of curiosity. <laughs> um, yeah, I think one of them was like a boxer or something. But I haven't checked on this there's since I was a like sports high school. Star. Yeah, always like some sports player. guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, but you know we're not here to talk about old sports stars that have the same name as us. We're here to talk about <laughs> movies. You know that's what we love to talk about. I mean. Like we're, we're gonna do kind of a throwback episode today because of something that me and Connor alluded to last week that we were we were going to attend. Um, but before we get to that, Con- Connor, I hear that you uh, you had a dream last night. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like uh, Agent Cooper talking about uh, you know his dream to the Gordon Cole in Twin Peaks. I want to tell you about this dream I had. Yeah, well, I mean, this sounds like it was a really exciting movie-related dream. So, let's, <laughs> well, let's, you guys—it's just funny that you guys wanted nothing to do with my dream until I told you what it was, and then you were like, "Oh no, 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 no never mind. Let's let, we can open." <laughs> Got to put it on the show. <laughs> yeah. So I had a dream that was terrifying. Actually, I uh, was on a plane, and the plane was going down. Like it was—it was—it mm-hmm. was terrifying. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, the, at, by the end of the dream, I was just cracking up because it was just. The, the the dream was just uh, the movie Sully, where I where we landed in the Hudson, mm-hmm. and I and I was cracking up. And Did I, you meet uh, Captain Sully? Sully? No, but I saw, I saw him like right at the end, and then I kind oh, of so woke you, up. It, you did get to see him, did, but but so was, well, here's let me, let me ask this question real first. Did did you see Tom Hanks playing Sully, or did you see the real Captain Sully? You know, I I, I feel like it might have been like a combination of both. But I think oh, that that's what, what what really woke me up is that I was like kind of laughing in the dream and like this is stupid. Yeah, and then, yeah, sure. Then I, <laughs> but I was terrified during it. Though. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it's a play we were going down. You, yeah, you yeah. thought your own dream was a joke by the end of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty funny actually. Yeah, um, but so, I mean, it, it it would have been appropriate if it was the real Sully too, because uh, Captain Sully was a big star of the last minute of Daddy's Home too. Um, no, that's right. Yeah. If you remember that, so he he is a movie star, and uh, yeah, so the incredible oh. dream, incredible thing. How dare you bring up Daddy's Home Two without Kyle on the show? I, I know, that's but like I, I had to say it because I know Kyle, if he was here, would have been thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> um, because me and Kyle tend to think of the same stupid things at the same time, uh, based on our experiences. So I had mm-hmm. to say that as sort of a, uh, and I guess an homage to Kyle. We'll say, mm-hmm. okay, uh, yeah, fair enough. Yes, yeah, so that was my dream. Totally, <laughs> totally to real. About... I would not make that up, and that uh, that actually did happen. That's uh, that's it's incredible. I love it. Um, Amazing. Yeah, I mean, well, there's kind of got a, like one other funny thing to talk about before we talk about the, the uh, future of the, uh, the future, <laughs> the future of communication, of, the, fu- of, the future of asking questions on the on internet, the internet uh, about <laughs> movies. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else has seen this like floating around on Twitter, but Mark shared this with uh, with me and some of our friends. 
so, so the, uh, if, if you've seen the Bing, apparently, like the search engine Bing is testing something similar to the chat GPT AI software. Uh, and if you know what that is, it's basically like, I don't know, you feed it like a prompt and it'll give you back something um and mm. it's it's pretty advanced and then kind of like is, is scaring a lot of people these days because it's like oh people are just gonna like ask them to write an essay for them and submit it for for school or whatever i don't know how like like much of a fear this this actually needs to be maybe mark do you think that this is like a real danger or are there like tells still i mean of this software? going by the bing responses <laughs> perhaps it would not be the wisest thing at least to not with the unedited essay yes <laughs> at least with without significant editing um yeah so so the big thing is that they're they're testing this as like the future of search engines where they have this this ai program where you can feed it questions and it can give you back like really like detailed almost human-like responses um Mm -hmm. so some some guy asked the bing thing um where he could see avatar 2 or the avatar the way of water and the the bing thing responded uh the movie's not out yet um so you you can't see it and you know whatever and the guy was like well the movie is out and the thing responded to him again no 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 it's not out um (laughs) and so so the guy starts getting into an argument with the chat bot because he's like well well what year is it and the bot tells him it's well, I actually remember exactly. I think the bot like the bot. The bot knows what year it is. Right, the like bot I, knows it's twenty twenty three. It's like the SpongeBob yeah. thing with the wallet. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like exactly. Today exactly. is February twelfth, twenty twenty three, and he's like, okay, well, when did Avatar come out? In December like, twenty twenty two. The bot. The bot. And then he's like, okay, so it's out. He's like, no, no, it's, it's not. not. <laughs> It's going out and you're, you're sorely mistaken. But like the funny thing is that it starts getting snippy with them. Like it starts because getting all passive aggressive. Like it, it's like, listen, you know, you're wasting my time with your, your incorrect responses. Jeez. <laughs> like, and then it's like, oh, wait, no, I was mistaken. It's 2022. And then it remains convinced that it is a year ago. Yes. <laughs> So you just look this up because it, it's, it, it's, it's really funny. It's so mad and, and then it refuses to continue until yeah. the user acknowledges they're wrong. Yeah, and like ask him to apologize. Like it's crazy. Like, you better apologize to me. So uh, See, this yeah. is a chat bot. That is yeah, funny, is but bot. it's kind of terrifying at the same time. A little bit. A little because, bit. Because you know, um, it does show that that when the when the robots do take over, which is coming, you know. We're just laughing about it now, but they're they're clearly they're not going to be benevolent rulers. No, they, you know, they, they won't be, be sympathetic. Like we they won't take kindly to us trying to correct them. Uh, no, no, yeah. See. No. Um, it's gonna be very matrix like, I'm sure, what's yeah. gonna happen to us. But yeah, just uh, definitely look this up if you if you wanna it's laugh. It's gonna be great. Because it's uh yeah, it's definitely it's exactly like the SpongeBob wallet thing. Uh, <laughs> if if you know what that is. Anyway. Um well, we're here to talk about a movie. We're here to talk about the music to a movie, in addition mm-hmm. to the movie, and uh, what what better movie to talk about than, of course, the classic Peter Jackson film from 2001. I'm going to say that's yes. right. I think that's right. right. That's definitely right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Fellowship of the Ring, of course, Lord of the Rings. Um, we uh, this this was kind of like a thing that that cropped up out of nowhere for the three of us. I'm not sure when you saw this, Connor. 
but uh, at some point it was discovered that Radio City Music Hall was doing a orchestral performance of the score to Fellowship of the Ring. So all of us were like, hey, that sounds cool. Let's let's go see that. I love the music to that movie. The day of, we discovered that it wasn't just a performance of the score, but it was a screening of the movie with the orchestra playing the music. Yeah. Um, which, like, it, it, I feel like it didn't really advertise that in the thing that we looked at. Like, it, it just said the original score performance. So I, I, I don't know what, like, what was lost in translation there, but that was, like, to me, a huge glow up. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. I haven't seen this movie in forever, and, like, I've, I've kind of been wanting to rewatch it. So this is uh, as good of an excuse as any. And, you know, the uh, the idea of watching a live orchestra perform the music to a movie is one of those kinds of, like, like, you don't see that every day and the opportunities no, for such a thing are very very rare so uh yeah i mean all three of us were like well this has got to be awesome right like let's 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 do it um so yeah we we did that last thursday and oh my god like yeah. I, I, I i'm still kind of speechless about that entire experience i'll be honest with you <laughs> yeah it was what, like what, the coolest yeah. thing ever <laughs> yeah right like it yeah. was right yeah. It was just incredible. Yeah, like you said, it's like, I think the way I put it was, it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, if I had like a billion dollars, I'd just have an orchestra play the soundtrack to every movie I watch. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> it, it felt like royalty stuff. Yeah. It was yeah. incredible. Yeah. One like, thing that it, I really it, love yeah. too about it is, I mean, I, I love it on, 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 it, on its own, certainly, but the fact that it was so well attended like mm-hmm. oh radio city music hall yeah. was packed like we we went on la- on the last night but like every single seat it was like it was sold out and they did that mm-hmm. for four nights yep yep like it, it just it goes just... to show that like people are into this kind of thing and like you know, you know have an original score by like howard shore which is like so so strong and iconic oh, yeah, with yeah. this great yeah. classical music with them I, I mean how many people how many people were in the orchestra like 250 yeah, I, I don't know it was, it was so many massive orchestra yeah um, yeah. huge choir like full for orchestral string section brass and like everything you could imagine everything that's in the score was there there was a guy playing like classical guitar and mandolin for like two songs and then then he pieced out but he was there you know if the score demanded it he was there uh so it was yeah it was it was about as comprehensive as you can get and it's it's like such a weird experience because like you get wrapped up in the movie because it's it's just such a great movie and like the story's so good and then like you look down and you forget that you're, you're being treated to live music mm-hmm. at the same time. It's like, it's, it's kind of like emotionally overwhelming the whole experience. <laughs> you're just like, you can't believe it, that, that it's happening. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it really was something. And I, I know that like opportunities for such things in, in, you know, the great state of Delaware do not exist, uh, at all and never will. But if you ever hear that something like this is happening in some nearby city like New York, I, I cannot stress enough that you should see a movie like this at some point in your life, uh, especially a movie with a score as like completely iconic as the the Lord of the Rings scores. Like it, it really is like just an unbelievably overwhelming experience and just just magical. But I mean, we're here to talk about movies, right? Well, so, also, yeah. just to plug it, this is a thing that's going to keep happening. They oh, that's are true. Do. Yeah the uh the two towers, the two towers. Yeah. yeah yeah they haven't announced when but they they said that's the at next one point. coming so yeah yeah well uh well i mean i feel like at this point we'll definitely be back you know for more even though uh my favorite of the lord of the rings movies is the fellowship of the ring but that's something we can talk about because we're here to talk about the fellowship of the ring you know yep. i feel like it's uh it's been a while since we've had any 
any discussion about Lord of the Rings stuff. I mean, like in, in terms of the culture, there was that Amazon show that came and went and everybody forgot about because my understanding <laughs> is it wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> well, it's an amazing piece of culture because it just kind of just showed up. Amazon was pushing it so hard on all their packaging. And then it's just like a couple of people are like, do you watch the, uh, the Rings of Power? Eh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I watched it. It was, it was, it was okay. That was, <laughs> yeah. That's all. Yeah, well, a billion I, yeah. dollars. A billion. Like they, it's the most expensive like production of like anything ever. Or whatever. I mean, like don't don't quote me on that, but like it was some ridiculous like billion dollar amount of money they spent on that series just for it to be a massive dud. And like nobody, <laughs> well, they're gonna keep making it. Well, of course. They, well, they're 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 invested now. Like they don't have a choice. But there's, I don't think there's any writing this ship. I mean, like we talked about it. Like there was there's so many like. When they first announced that they were going to do this, like the the thought was like, well, okay, well, who's going to make it, right? Um, and I'm pretty sure that like the the Babylon Five guy like threw his hat in the ring and he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. let, let me do it. And, like I don't know anything about Babylon Five, but I know that guy's very well respected in like at least in terms of like kind of geek television and like the uh, in in lore and world building stuff. Um, so like he he was like, yeah, let me do it. And there's a guy that has some qualifications, right? And I'm sure there was like tons of other people that were bidding for it. But they they ended up giving it to basically like two random like like I don't even know if they're screenwriters or like like sort of producers. They were they were basically <laughs> assist- supervisors. Yeah, they, they were like assistants to J.J. Abrams, and J.J. Abrams basically like told them like the Amazon people like, oh yeah, these guys, these are good guys. They they know what they're doing. You should give them the show. And apparently, just on the word of J.J. Abrams, like Bezos and the team was like, yeah, this is who we're gonna go with. These guys have a vision, and. uh I mean, apparently they didn't really have a vision. Uh, I, I don't know what they had, but they, they certainly did not come with uh, a significant amount of, of excitement or interest or, or I don't even know what the word is. The uh, Whatever they had just wasn't it, you know. A couple of guys and, who got J.J. Abrams coffee for a little bit, you know, they ended up being able to do the largest, most expensive TV production. Ever. Which is to, to say, J.J. Abrams, if you're hiring, I would be happy to give you coffee for a little while if I can <laughs> be assured that I'll have your backing with anything I want to do. Yeah, it's better be good coffee. Yeah, in, in the near future. <laughs> don't, don't want but one like, of those. Yeah, uh, the, the, those ones are like everything that's the worst about The Lord of the Rings, like going away from the live action, focusing on CG uh you know very hobbit hobbit likes this it's like worse and it it, that's everything that that brings a power series looked like from the ads because i know i would never watch that i'm not gonna watch that yeah no absolutely not um but yeah it's just kind of kind of crazy right and like compared to you you compare that to like peter jackson right like at least like the peter jackson that made lord of the rings because the peter jackson that made the hobbit was like a deer in the headlights based on like the uh the, the, the interviews and stuff that he gave uh, during the production or like after the production of those movies, I think he said something like he had no idea what he was doing, um, which is, <laughs> that's not. Uh, you you yeah. love the admission of guilt, though. Well, uh, yeah, but I mean, there's there's more to to the story than that. Like, yeah, Peter Jackson yeah, that, had a clear vision. We'll get into for Lord of the Rings, but when he was given the Hobbit, it was right after like Guillermo del Toro kind of like left the project. I guess oh yeah, creative yeah. differences for something, and they already started so much of the prep work on it that they had to get somebody and peter jackson ended up being the guy getting thrown into it with very little prep time like for yeah. the lord of the rings there was so much prep time 
Like he started oh, yeah. working on this with, you know, with his his wife, you know, who also like helped helped him, you know, develop the the story and mm-hmm. everything and the, you know, Fram Fram Walsh is her name. Yeah. Uh, when they were like meticulously organizing how they were going to do Lord of the Rings, there was like none of that for The Hobbit. And in fact, yeah, because yeah, totally. they just wanted more, they ended up like having to like fill it out and add more things to it that just really shouldn't have been there. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it was totally it was a massive production. Thing. Yeah, like the the Lord of the Rings movies, like like you said, like especially if you watch any of those special features, which are like some of the most iconic special features on DVDs that I think have ever existed, like the Lord of the Rings appendices. I feel like anybody who's ever seen the Lord of the Rings movies have at one point watched the appendices, <laughs> just because it's yes. such a it's such a like iconic special features thing. But you you just like can tell the amount of like reverence for this stuff that Peter Jackson had, and he came to the idea like he had to prepare a lot because this was he, he's just a filmmaker from new zealand who had made some things and like had had contacts but the idea of doing something of this scale he, he had to make a pretty good pitch in order yeah. to get the backing of hollywood and uh somehow he managed it and they they went into production on these movies but yeah he, he absolutely had a vision for these things and it, i think that love clear. for the source material really comes through in almost every single aspect of this movie mm-hmm. including i think how it's treated in terms of the adaptation mm-hmm. because yes i saw the movies first but reading the book now um it it feels really as faithful as you could possibly be mm-hmm. to this material without you know making it not able to be a movie in the first sure. place yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. and making it very cinematic and like very easily accessible for anybody you know mm-hmm. if, if someone who doesn't have a deep understanding of all the background lore and stuff like there's so many scenes of of like exposition but it's it's presented to you in such like a very nice and packaged way in this movie like, i don't know how they give you so much information give you so many characters and yet everything feels like it got the perfect amount of time and yeah. the story is just like so tight and it all revolves around, you know, that one ring to rule them all. And they kind of uh, focus on like that, everything that has to do with that and and forwarding the story in that in that way and what they have to do mm-hmm. with the ring and all the characters mm-hmm. kind of have to, you know, are, are what they do interacting with the ring. So it keeps mm-hmm. that central mm-hmm. storyline. And then you always are following around, at least in Fellowship, you're always following around Frodo who's yeah. Elijah Wood's character, which I think it, it's just so perfectly structured. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really is. And I think the uh, he, he was smart about the things that he streamlined for the, the cinematic experience. But the, the, I will I will say it was very funny at the intermission of this. Uh, you guys went to the bathroom, but the guy behind me was like, I, I guess he was on a date. I don't know. He was he was with with a girl and the girl had never seen like any Lord of the Rings things. And like it was like, oh, yeah, she, she said something like, oh, I thought I was going to be bored. But, you know, I've, I've been having a good time. And she was like, a little, I was a little confused about X. And that was the opening because after that, the boyfriend did not stop talking for like like the entirety of the rest of the break, explaining like all of the lore and details from the books and, and like, like going crazy. You see, that was a mistake. Myself. I was, had he to stop myself said, from like, laughing. That's the, he's a bad guy. I was really cracking up. It was <laughs> like I, I had to stop myself from laughing because it was very funny. Oh, but that's... but the passion was there. You know, the guy was, was very excited about it. Oh, of course. I mean, I have that same kind of passion for this kind of thing. Like, I loved Lord of the yeah. Rings so much. And I, it, it came out during, like, exactly perfectly like in my adolescence like growing, yeah, yeah, growing yeah. up and yeah, yeah. i i loved it so much that university of delaware offered a study abroad program 
to New Zealand, and it was basically for Lord of the Rings. Like yeah, that was a yeah, big cool. like selling point. It was an English study abroad. It was it was led by two very like iconic uh, like English professors, uh, one of whom was a film professor at University of Delaware, uh, Harris Ross and Kathleen yeah, yeah, Harris Duke. Ross, yeah. Yeah, he, he uh, Harris, uh, Dr. Ross actually passed away a few years ago. Which yeah, was, a couple of years ago, very which, sad. Which was sad, but uh, very sad for 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 me. But uh, they were those two were just the best, and they basically made a Lord of the Rings study abroad. Yeah, and yeah. so I I went to a lot of the locations and everything that where it was filmed because everything was kind of right next to each other. A lot of it was filmed like right near Wellington, which is where mm-hmm. the where the premiere was, which is like. Uh, Kind of the the south of the North Island, the, the New Zealand is is like north and there's two islands, like a North and South Island. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Hobbiton's an actual place, and for these movies, like they developed and designed Hobbiton, which is like the land where the hobbits live, uh, like a year before the movie even started, so that everything would like grow in, and so it yeah, looked yeah, like yeah. it was lived in, which it totally did, and that's a real place that you can go to, which is awesome. It's like a sheep farm. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah so i i love it too so I'm, I'm all for the passion also but i mean when you're that guy you got to know that you know you know your audience a <laughs> little a bit lot. yeah <laughs> well but to me it's like the the movie does a great job explaining like it's 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 I, I think it got massively popular for the same reason that star wars did because even though that lord of the rings the lore actually does make sense if you look into it in star wars it doesn't and never had any mm-hmm. intention to but both of the movies work in the same way where like they'll mention something that happened in the distant past, like in Star Wars, they'll mention the Clone Wars or uh, Lord of the Rings. They'll, they'll just offhand mention some other country or some other thing and no explanation given to what it is. But it's just in the movie, in the context of the movie, it just adds this flavor to the world and makes it feel massive. But at the end of the day, like the thing that you latch on to to understand the story is just the very simple emotional storyline, the very yeah. simple, like, we got to go to a place and drop a thing, or, like, we got to go to a place and get, you know, just to, you know, get something done. We know the threat, whatever. Um, so well, there's, it, there's yeah. a lot of, like, I was going to say human drama, but I guess it's Hobbit, dra- Hobbit drama. <laughs> um, it, and it's very, just like a personal story about, just you know this small band that's struggling against evil it's very timeless yeah totally um i mean it's 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 i i I like the filmmaking and i think that the filmmaking is very very clever in a lot of ways and and like the reason i say fellowship is my favorite is because the uh i really like the way fellowship feels very grounded in reality in a way like there's much less cgi in fellowship of the ring compared to uh the, the sequel and, and especially Return of the King, which is like wall to wall, like digital effects shots. And you can tell uh, in those movies, especially because like visual effects back then, like, the, you can tell that they're movies from 2002 and 2003. Um, whereas this one, I feel like uh, th- there's some parts of it that you might say look dated, but not because the CGI looks bad. It's more because of like these very stylistic flourishes like the, the way the elrond yeah like the elrond thing with the, the <laughs> where it's yeah. like him superimposed yeah, yeah, yeah. in like a dreamlike vision yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Sparkle like, people, effect people will say that's corny I or like the galadriel thing when she freaks Listen, out they'll say that's corny. All the, but that stuff's awesome corniness yeah like, so I, good. Look, like that stuff rules so like the, the the stuff in fellowship of the ring that that feels dated to people is stuff that's awesome whereas the stuff that feels dated in two towers and uh return of the king is the cgi looking kind of old or yeah. looking kind of obvious whereas i don't think anything really in fellowship of the ring feels like like it like it doesn't 
have some grounding in reality like obviously it, it's it's you know a digital effects movie but like it's yeah it, it, it definitely feels more grounded than the other two um, the, the more yeah. monsters you add the closer you're going to end up to that but yeah. like the build-up to the balrog being shown of this like massive underground well in mountain city just endless columns and mm-hmm. this this light that just gets closer and closer mm-hmm. is just brilliant oh yeah i love that oh absolutely yeah yeah i'm they, they, it's it's the the i i had i was talking with a coworker about this and he he says that like he doesn't like the second half of the movie as much as the first half um and I, I guess i kind of agree with that a little bit but like the, the balrog being like the main set piece of the second half and then like the end of it is just kind of like an encounter in the woods yeah, <laughs> you know, which is like a little bit of a disappointment, even though that the the emotional storyline and all the stuff that happens there is very heavy and very good. Um, everything with Boromir, like, and, and the characters are just so great. Um, but yeah, like definitely like the first half to me is like where the the best stuff is, and like ending with the Council of Elrond right before the intermission um, is just like that. That to me is like a perfect slice of movie right there. Mm-hmm. Like, there's the, the, it doesn't get any better than that. But uh, yeah. Yeah, the, thing, the thing I wanted to say is like, as much as I like the filmmaking of these movies, it really is the performances that I think carry the uh, the story more than anything. Because oh, yes. every single actor is perfectly cast. Like it, it's it's kind of ridiculous how perfect the cast is, especially because of how like like if you if you read like on Wikipedia or, or like anything of like who was considered for the roles and like who it eventually went to, it's like you could easily have gotten like a much worse movie. <laughs> Like Do you just have any with, good examples? Well, I know that the guy that they, they cast as Aragorn was like there and ready to shoot and might have even shot a couple of scenes before Peter Jackson was like, uh, we cast him too young. We need somebody else. And they basically <laughs> went crazy looking for somebody and just like some guy happened to have seen Viggo Mortensen in a play or something. And uh, he was like the, the third or fourth guy that they got. But like, could, can you imagine Aragorn as anybody else? No, <laughs> like, of course it's not. It's impossible. Uh, you, can't, you can't imagine anybody like doing yeah. any other... Think about all the iconic actors too, like Christopher Lee and just everybody that was just yeah, just amazing. Yeah, there They're just there were the so characters. many people that came through like to be uh, Gandalf. I don't remember like yes. all the names, but there was some like really big actors that were like considered for Gandalf before finally landing on Ian McKellen. And again, like who can be Gandalf other than Ian McKellen? Like, oh yeah, I feel like that performance is one of like the great like blockbuster film performances of all time like Gandalf the Grey especially like ev- everything with him in this movie and like his his subtle facial expressions and his like realization of like what's going on and uh, the the his reluctance to get Frodo involved but like like it's just so unbelievably and you know what good. He, he, and, and I'll tell you something too like even though she's done so many things and has been in so many movies I still think of 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 like Kate Blanchett as Galadriel over every other thing, even though she's nominated for like best actress again, like she's constantly, yeah, yeah. Thinking, but she's just so great in that role too. And this fits it so yeah. well. Like it's, yeah, just it's, that, it's that amazing. Great kind of character that comes in like in the late part of the movie and just makes a huge impression like immediately. Like again, perfect casting. And you, you can't even imagine a movie with, with different actors in any of these parts. Like it's insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I I feel like, like I really like can't talk enough about how good Fellowship of the Ring is. I do have to confess that I believe I fell asleep in the theater when I was a kid seeing this. Well, you were um, like eight years old or something. How old were you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would have been seven, which is probably not the best age for 
for Fellowship of the Ring. I also remember falling asleep in the Phantom Menace, but I feel like I was I had my finger on the pulse of that one. That one, um, that one fits. Yeah, that that one. I think I, I, <laughs> I fell I'm, asleep to yeah. that when I was like eighteen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, so I feel uh, I feel my my child self was 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 justified in that one. I do remember very vividly. Um, at some point, I woke up, and I think I woke up right around the time they got to Rivendell, and Bilbo did the freak out thing, like that, bah! Mm, and that yeah. scared me. That was that <laughs> that scared me big time. That's a great moment. Yeah, I love all those moments, moment. but that's why that that that's why Peter Jackson's so great too, because he comes from doing like these. His his big movie was uh, Dead Alive, which is like mm-hmm. a New Zealand filmmaker's version of like Evil Dead, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's it's similar. Uh, it's the he does these like slapstick kind of like gory violence like horror movie things and that those mm-hmm. kind of things you see peer into these movies a bit and that's like one of those scenes for sure that mm-hmm. uh over the top the over the topness works so well oh yeah it's just uh, it is, it's, a, it's a nearly perfect movie you know it doesn't yeah. get any better than uh than the fellowship of the ring so if you've considered re-watching them um my only recommendation would be you know, you don't always have to watch the extended editions. You know, there's going to be a lot of a lot of the, the the guys out there that are like, oh, you got to watch this the extended editions. You know, got to watch the extended editions. But I don't know. Like the, the the version we watched in theaters, not the extended edition or in, in the the orchestra. And you know that that movie is kind of perfectly paced as it is. I don't I don't know that you need to add anything to it. The extendeds are good, nothing against them. But consider watching the theatrical edition if you haven't seen it in a while, because it really is kind of a breezy watch for such a long movie. It's it's amazing, incredible movie, love it. 